studying faith walkers on Sunday evening. Uh, folks that lived by faith, walked by faith, and tonight uh, it kind of a week in between things here, and I thought I'd put together two of the, call them minor if you want, they're listed in the uh, Hall of Faith, so they're pretty major characters in the Bible, but not a whole lot of stories about them, in fact, hardly any story about one of them. So I put together Enoch and uh, Rahab, and we'll cover Enoch and just start Rahab a little bit tonight and then finish with her story next week. Uh, you might notice on the title of the handout, I call these two characters the unknown and the unlikely faith walkers. Uh, we really don't know much about Enoch at all, and uh, Rahab, we'll find out, is a very unlikely person to be listed in the, the faith walkers. So let's uh, work through Enoch first. Uh, in fact, let's just turn over to Luke chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles. Get you a little exercise in that. Luke chapter 3. And we'll find out a little bit about Enoch. Luke 3 is a genealogy, of course, of Jesus. And down in verse 37, as we're going back in time here, uh, right at the end of verse 36, we get to Noah. Uh, Noah was the son of Lamech, who was the son of Methuselah, who was the son of Enoch. So we can learn a couple of things about Enoch right there. He had a son named Methuselah, who's fairly famous himself. And then he had Lamech, and then Noah was his uh, son, and Noah was Enoch's great-grandson. So that's who Enoch was, where he falls in the scope of things. Uh, If you want a trivia question to trick people with or try to trick people with, you can ask them who was the oldest man in the world, the oldest man that ever lived, and he died before his daddy. I think about that one a while, but Methuselah did. He was the oldest man that ever lived, and he died before his dad did. Because dad never died, as far as we can tell. So that's where we put him in the time zone of who he is. Uh, There's one other verse I didn't give you on here. Jude, uh, verse 14, says that Enoch prophesied. And that's really about all we know about him uh, in, in anything that he did specifically. said he prophesied, and we don't have that prophecy anywhere. We don't know what he prophesied about in detail. All right, to learn about Enoch, let's go to Genesis 5, and we will learn about all we can find out about Enoch. Genesis 5, 21. All right, once again, a genealogy. Adam's line coming down, verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he had become the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more, because God took him away. Okay. 
And we, we know how old he was when he had his first child. We know he lived 300 more years. We know he was 365. And then he was no more. Now, in those days, if you read the rest of that uh, genealogy there, you'll find that everybody lived lots of years. Uh, 600, 500, 900 was not that unusual. So Enoch was just a kid when God took him. Uh, 365 years old, he was just getting started. Uh, That's one thing we know about him. Now let's go to Hebrews 11 and we'll finish our knowledge of Enoch. Hebrews 11, chapter of faith, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And then verse 6 is a famous verse, and without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So, there's the rest of the story about Enoch. Lived 365 years. Before God took him, he was commended as one who pleased God. But then he was taken. He did not experience death. He could not be found. All right, now, what are we going to learn about that? Well, there's a few things we can think about, and we'll do that when we get to some of the discussion questions. Um, I thought I'd look to see if I could find anything else about Enoch, and there's some legends and apocryphal stories out there about him. In fact, there's three apocryphal books that he supposedly wrote, uh, but none of them have, uh, a lot of them have some strange things in them, and they're not too, uh, they're not inspired in any way. But there are three apocryphal books, the book, first book of Enoch, second and third book of Enoch. Uh, and in those, and in the Jewish tradition, some Jewish traditions, uh, God took him to heaven and made him the guardian of all the celestial treasures. Uh, not saying it couldn't happen, but the inspired word doesn't say that happened. And I hesitate to even tell some of this kind of stuff sometimes because we hear these things and we, we get them confused with truth maybe. Uh, <clears throat> but these apocryphal books do mention some of these things. Uh, some legends have him being the chief of the archangels assuming there are more than one archangel, and they put Enoch over them. Uh, some legends say that he became the attendant at the throne of God. God took him there for that purpose. Uh, the basic Jewish uh, story about Enoch, which doesn't include all those other things, is that he was just the only pious man at that time. And God decided to take him before he would be corrupted. He had lived 365 years being very, very faithful, and for some reason, God decided to take him before he succumbed to any temptations. Uh, A couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Noah, I brought that up. Uh, Noah was his great-grandson, and he was a righteous man. He walked with God. Why did God take Enoch and leave Noah to go through all the mess that Noah had to go through? We don't know. The way God does things. Uh, and let's see, what else did I find? Oh, if you're a follower of John Hagee, 
he says that Enoch is one of two witnesses, one of the two witnesses in Revelation is what he's uh, picked for. And I, I hope you're not a serious follower of John Hagee, but I know a lot of you like to listen to him. He, he can preach, I'll say that for him, but when he gets in Revelation, you better take it with a grain of salt. Or he's uh, got quite a few interesting theories. But anyhow, he says that Enoch's one of the two witnesses of Revelation. Once again, none of that's from the Bible. Don't know any of that to be true or even close to true. But when we get to talking in the thought questions about what's walking by faith and what's walking with God and all that, uh, maybe we can learn a little bit more as we consider eating. But that's really all there is about him, and that's why I lumped him in here with Rahab, is we need to consider him, but he's awfully hard to talk about, and I've had to ramble quite a bit just to fill five minutes. So let's go on to Rahab now. Uh, some of you get the joke now, by the way. Okay, Rahab. Uh, Rahab is also an interesting character, and we don't know a whole lot about her, but we know considerably more than we did about Enoch. We've got a good, a good couple of chapters of story about her, and we'll uh, cover most of those next week. But let's just kind of, in general, introduce Rahab tonight. Uh, I found this quote about four types of faith. I decided I'd put it in your handout for you. Uh, someone has said that there are four types of faith. There is faith that receives, as when we reach out to accept Christ's free gift of eternal life. Then there is faith that reckons, that counts on God to undertake for us. Thirdly, there is faith that rests. That's the kind of faith that in the middle of pain and suffering sits back in confidence that God will deliver. And then there is faith that risks. A faith that moves out for God and depends on Him in the midst of a dangerous situation. Now, I, I don't agree there's four kinds of faith. I really don't uh, accept this quote as truth, but I, I understand what they're trying to say, and I understand that there is a difference uh, when there is a direct physical danger involved in stepping out on faith than when there's no direct physical or mental pressure or danger or anything like that. Uh, but faith covers it all. It, it wraps all of that up in it. And Rahab was, the reason I put it in there is Rahab had to uh, move by faith in the middle of a very dangerous situation, uh, which is a little bit different perhaps than the others, but not not really. Uh so, so Rahab, we're going to look at her story next week when we read Joshua 2 and then chapter 6. So you can go home and read that uh, this week and get ready for that study. But I want to look at the other places she's mentioned just so we know where she fits and who she is. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, another genealogy. We're in these genealogies tonight for some reason. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5, Rahab is very unique in this long list because of her gender. The whole, actually the genealogy takes the whole page in my Bible and part of the next page as you start Matthew. And Matthew recorded the genealogy of Jesus and genealogies were kept uh, through the male side of the line and go through all the way through uh, from Abraham on down 
through David on the way down to Jesus and through Joseph and uh, on and on. And there's only three women mentioned in there. Other than Mary, she's mentioned at the end as the mother of Jesus. But they're just mentioned not because, well, they're married to somebody in the line. And it lists the man. And then it says whose mother was. And so these three women, for some reason, Matthew decided were important enough, uh, interesting enough, uh, faithful enough or something uh, to make the list, to get in the genealogy. So if you go down to verse 5 there, it says, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And then the next one, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And then two lines later, it says, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. She's not named, but that's Bathsheba. So those are the only three women that... Uh, the Holy Spirit decided we're important enough or famous enough or faithful enough to make the genealogy of Jesus. So that's kind of special. Now, let's go over to Hebrews 11, and we will learn what makes Rahab even more amazing. Hebrews 11 is, once again, our chapter of faith. And our boy, our lady Rahab, is down in verse 31. Enoch's way up there earlier. Verse 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now, I don't think there's anybody here probably who doesn't know the story of Rahab. But if somebody was here for the first time, didn't have any connections with things religious or didn't ever go to church... <clears throat> and all of that, and heard the preacher up here talking about a famous woman, a faith walker named Rahab, and all of that. And then I casually read from the chapter of faith, by faith the prostitute Rahab. You think that'd shock anybody? I said, what did it hold it? What did he just say? Did he really say that the Bible calls this woman? who's faithful and righteous, and we're going to read some other things about it. Did it really say she was the prostitute? <clears throat> well, yeah, that's the part of the story. That's the, the, the thing that's interesting that will teach us a lot about faith walking, I think. And when we get to the story, we'll learn more about the situation and, and why and all that. But we just learned something here. Uh, and we'll get to it when we do the, the application questions. Uh, but... Rahab was a prostitute in the city of Jericho and interacted with the spies. And uh, we'll see if we can learn how that all happened next week. So she's an example of faith. By faith, she dealt with the spies the way she did. Now let's look at one other verse, and then we'll try to learn a few things. James chapter 2. James chapter Verse 24. <clears throat> In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. 
So here she is held up as an example of righteousness by James as he's trying to explain the difference between faith and works and what you do if you have faith and all that. Now, what do we know about Rahab so far? Well, we haven't got to her story yet, so we don't know a whole lot. But Rahab's faithful. She's righteous. She's important enough to be listed in the ancestry of Jesus. And everywhere that the Bible talks about her, except in that Matthew list, they call her the prostitute. The Holy Spirit seems to think we ought to know that. Uh, that points that out to us. This is the prostitute Rahab. This is Rahab the prostitute, uh, James says. Now, if you know about the other women in Matthew chapter 1, uh, you'll see they've got something in common. Uh, Ruth and uh, Bathsheba. Uh, Bathsheba we know about. We could call her Bathsheba the adulteress. And Ruth, what's wrong with her? She was a Moabitess. Uh, she wasn't an Israelite. She was an idol worshiper. Her, her family was. She came from a uh, foreign land. And somehow these three women, all with different bad backgrounds, got in the ancestry of Jesus. Uh, Rahab, kind of the... Classic or role model for bad girls of the Bible. Some of you are familiar with that book. Uh, I think Rahab's probably pictured on the cover of that one. Uh, uh, (coughs) There's quite a few people in uh, the Bible, and these three at least, that are in uh, the ancestry of Jesus uh, that were not the kind of people that we would think would be there. So, with all of that in mind, let me go to the second Faith Walker application question down there, because this is the best application, I think, about Rahab, even though we haven't learned much about her yet, but this is hard to break up, keep the story intact next week. Uh, My question was, if God can use Rahab, what was your excuse again? A lot of people think, oh, hold it, God can't use me. You know, uh, I'm not talented. That was Moses' excuse. Uh, I'm not this. I'm not that. I don't know enough. Uh, we got all kinds of excuses, don't we? My background, my where I came from, uh, no way God's going to use it. Some people even take it so far that, that God can't, he can't save me. You know, he's not interested in me. He wouldn't love me if, if you knew some of the things I've done. Nobody loves me. Well, you can make up any excuse you want. And I think that's one reason that James and the writer of Hebrews and every place else we read about Rahab, they emphasize that. Not just Rahab, it's not just Rahab the mother of Boaz, it's Rahab the prostitute. It's the prostitute Rahab. Like I said, she's kind of the classic bad girl of the Bible. If God could use her and put her in this position where she's in the ancestry of Jesus, because and she didn't just get out of Jericho. We'll talk about how she got out of Jericho next week and went to live with the Israelites. She was blessed after that. I mean, she survived Jericho. 
because she helped the spies. But after that, she she did well. She married well. <laughs> uh, she married a guy named Nashon, and Nashon had Boaz, and uh, uh, no, he had Salmon, and then he had Boaz. And if you read the book of Ruth, it says Naomi showed Ruth Boaz, and he said he's a man of standing. So uh, Rahab came from prostitution in the city of Jericho uh, to live with the Israelites and married well and had uh, good descendants and got mentioned in the, the ancestry of Jesus so far. I think that happened for a reason. I think God was trying to teach us a lesson. In fact, I don't know how many years ago it was, we studied those three women in some detail, uh, Rahab and Ruth and uh, Bathsheba, and we learned a lot of lessons, I think, from them. Uh, God uses all kinds of people. The worst, uh, I, mean, I don't know if you can classify him as worst, but Paul said he was the worst. And if you look at what Paul did, he was pretty bad. I mean, he arrested Christians and had them killed, and uh, he went out of his way to persecute followers of Christ. But uh, he may have been more of a mess that way, but at least uh, in civil society he was respectable. I mean, he was a Pharisee and he was religious and he did everything morally right and all that. Rahab's a prostitute. And that doesn't seem to matter a whole lot to God. I remember how Jesus dealt with the woman caught in adultery, and we might learn a little bit more about how Jesus thinks about people and what he can do with them and what he can use them for. He certainly took this specific prostitute and used her for some pretty great things, and being in that list on the first page of Matthew is pretty impressive. All right, we're going to stop there tonight. What we're going to do next week is do the story of Rahab and find out what she did and what was faithful about it. And we'll talk a little bit about why she got away with lying, evidently. And uh, then we'll follow up by trying to figure out what some of these terms mean that we've been using all year. So uh, that's half the lesson on Rahab. We'll get to her. Finish it next week. If you're here this evening and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we always take a little time to do that at the end of service and sing one song called an invitation song. Uh, we don't know who's here and what's on your heart, what needs to change in your life, but we want to always give you an opportunity to do that. So if you're here this evening and need to respond in some way, come to the front. I'll be here waiting. Let's stand and sing.